Well, two weeks ago, I introduced a topic um, that had to do with patiently waiting on God and how uh, for us to be reliable men, they patiently wait on God. And I use this example from 1 Samuel 13, and it talks about how Saul, who was the king, the, the leader of the Israelites at the time, the first king, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, he was the first king. He was taller, bigger than everybody else. And yet inside his, his, who he was on the inside, his character did not match his height, which he had incredible stature. He was tall, but yet he was a very small man internally. And yet Saul, in the passage of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he became impatient. There was something he was supposed to be waiting on God. He decided he was not going to wait on God. So instead, he took matters into his own hands, and he went forward, and he suffered the consequence. He found out that he was not going to be the king to take them into the future much longer, and as a matter of fact, his days were actually numbered. Well, we're going to jump back into that storyline because God didn't just wipe him out at the time. He was still leading. He heard this bad news. Hey, your your time is limited, but yet he is in the middle of, of leading, and I'm just going to jump into 1 Samuel 13, verse 16, and I'm going to read verses 16 through 19, and what we're going to see is two really big ideas, and I think these two really big ideas hinder us from climbing the mountain. Even men who are like-minded, who want to climb the mountain, we at one time or another in our spiritual lives, we feel these two things that I believe are right here in the middle of this passage. So I'm going to read it for you. Verse 16 says this, Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah in Benjamin. While the Philistines camped at Michmash, verse 17, raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned toward Oprah in the vicinity of Shual, another toward Beth Haran, and the third toward the borderline overlooking the valley of Zebaom. I think I said that wrong, but Zebaom facing the desert. Verse 19, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So now you see that there's this army that's massing. You see there's three different detachments that are going out, raiding armies from the Philistines to attack Saul. Now we know from two weeks ago and the passage right before, or actually the verse right before this in verse 15, it says there were, there were about 600 fighting men. That's it. That is all that is out there fighting, so they are severely outnumbered, and we also know that not only are they outnumbered, they're actually outgunned, so to speak. They don't have guns, but they, they don't have the weaponry to match the Philistines, and we know this is because not a, a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel, verse 19 said that, because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So the Philistines were very well equipped— And yet they had an advantage over the Israelites, and the Israelites did not have the skill set of working with iron. They did not know how to tool or manufacture iron, so therefore they couldn't make their own swords, they couldn't make their own other weaponry that they would use to go against this, this impending army, the Philistine army. So I think in a lot of ways there's one takeaway here that I I I have since through my time working with God and certainly working with guys rather and walking with God and working with guys and seeing this at men of iron. It's this, 
most men feel under-equipped. Could you imagine what it would have felt like in this day and age, these men are going out to fight, and in this passage, we see that not a blacksmith could be found, and if we were to continue on in this reading, it says this in verse 22, So on that day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul or Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. That's it. Those are the only people who actually had real weaponry. I think a lot of guys feel under-equipped to climb the mountain of manhood. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said, one of the heroes, my heroes from history. He said this, in any moment of decision, the best thing you could do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing, and the worst thing that you can do is nothing. You see, they're posed with a great challenge. You, they knew that this army was coming at them, and yet 600 men, and what did it say in the last verse? It said, the last verse I read you, that no one else had a sword or spear. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. That's it. So what are these men going to do? What are these men going to do? You know, I think part of what plagues us as men at times is the reason why we maybe feel under-equipped is because we believe certain things about ourselves. We have limiting beliefs, piggybacking on what Garrett talked about last week. He kind of mentioned this, of, of what you think about is who you become about, or it's the, the person you become is based upon what's in your mind. And I think we have these self-limiting beliefs. I think we maybe the reason why you feel under-equipped is because you perhaps have a belief that, and you've said things to yourself internally, maybe never vocalized them, but internally you've said, you know, it's just hard for me to lose weight, or I'm just not good at reading. Well, I'm not a natural athlete. I'm not creative. I'm a procrastinator. I will never be able to pray in public. Well, I'm not smart enough. I'm too messed up to share my issues with a mentor, and I am not far enough along to actually be a mentor to a protege. See, I think there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs. The reason why we feel ill-equipped to climb the mountain is because of these self-limiting beliefs. Now, these, these mindsets really become limiting factors for us, don't they? Because if you, you dwell upon those things, if you dwell upon what you don't have or what you, what you don't see yourself being able to do and you kind of focus on those, you will live into those lesser realities. This is not what God has for us, and we're going to get to what it is that God has for us, and when we talk about how these people, I intentionally skipped a couple passages to give you the, to give you the aha at the end of the podcast, but so there's two aspects here. So the first aspect is they are literally under-equipped, and also think about it from this perspective. There's 600 fighting men against a large mass of Philistines. The Philistine army was much larger. Now they're, you have three raiding parties. They're coming in to attack them. They only have two swords, so do the math. Three, diff- three different groups of people attacking them, two swords. What are they going to do? So not only do we have uh, this self-limiting belief of, like, I'm just ill-equipped to climb the mountain. I'm ill-equipped to be the man that I'm supposed to be. I'm ill-equipped to have this kind of future. But also, I think that that a lot of men face the challenge of feeling inadequate, of like, well, I guess I'm just not supposed to win. I guess I'm just not supposed to be able to do this. Some, some commonplace areas of life that, 
that kind of trigger a man's sense of of inadequacy include maybe the inability to satisfy their wife sexually, or there's confusion about how to be emotionally expressive. Maybe you just make mistakes, and it seems like in your mind you make more mistakes than everybody else. Maybe you just have some sort of deteriorating uh, physical health or, or just an illness that you're struggling with. Maybe it's just you have this inadequacy because your inability to seek help or, or to seek mentorship. Or maybe for you, it's just not feeling like you're good enough of a man, husband, father, or friend. Or maybe you're just not feeling like you're just not winning as a dad. Like in all the aspects of being a dad, you just don't feel like you win. And now you're settling for inadequacy. And this is also maybe leading you into why it is that you feel like you're ill-equipped to climb the mountain and do the things that God wants you to do. Well, as we wrap up today, I'm going to jump back into this passage. And I want to tell you right what, uh, right exactly what the people of God did, because not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. We know that because the verse I read just a moment ago, there only Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear, so real weaponry. So what do they do? They embrace creativity. In verse 20 of 1 Samuel 13, it says this, So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks, and a third of the shekel for sharpening forks and axe, and for repointing goads. Well, you may be looking at this like, or listening to me say, well, I just don't get it. What's, what's the big deal? You see, they embrace creativity. Instead of looking at what they didn't have by weaponry, they looked at what they did have, and they had all of these farm implements, and they sharpened these farm implements, and they would use those to fight the battle with the Philistines. They embraced creativity. How is it that you and I can embrace creativity? At times, I think we need to step away from the situation, even briefly. We need to step away from it and not get so deep into it that we can't see anything else other than the situation. We need to step away. When we step away, we gain a fresh perspective. And in the midst of that, if we could just try and stay calm, maybe some breathing practices, maybe some biblical meditation, I think this would be so valuable. Another thing is don't obsess over what you don't have. Instead, look for what you do have. And last, decide not to punish yourself for what you don't have, and decide to praise God for what you do have. Mark Driscoll said this, and I'm going to end this podcast with this quote. Stop looking for the path of least resistance and start running down the path of greatest glory to God and good to others, because that's what Jesus, the real man, did. Let's climb the mountain together, embracing creativity if we have to, pushing back the darkness of inadequacy, and coming to terms with we are actually more equipped than what we previously thought.